This is episode five of the History of Show. I'm Robert. And I'm Emma. And today we will be talking about cutlery. Yes, this is the history of cutlery part one. Uh, But we should mention that technically uh, cutlery refers more to things in the knife department. uh, But in common use, we use them. uh, We use the term cutlery to refer to generally all eating utensils. But before we get into the show, we have the egg carton count. And today's egg carton count is nine. Yes, you probably heard it was ten last time. Well, that was because we miscounted. It was actually nine. Uh, But let's start off our cutlery episode with setting a formal dinner table. Uh, You have your charger plate in the center in front of you. Uh, That's just a base plate, let's call it that sets the foundation for everything else you might put on top of it, whether that be a napkin, a soup bowl, or a smaller plate. What goes on top of it will vary depending on what is being served. This is not to mention the placemat that might go under all of this. Then, there is a dinner knife, and possibly a fish knife, to the right of the charger, as well as a spoon. Now, I know this is starting to get complicated, but close your eyes and just imagine this uh, set dinner table in front of you and then so to the left of your charger plate if uh, you're keeping track you would have your salad fork dinner fork and possibly fish fork to the top right you might have three glasses a water glass a white wine glass and a red wine glass of course we're not old enough to drink wait till you're 21 kids and to the top left of your charger plate you'll have your bread plate uh, with your own personal butter knife on top Then, directly forward or away from you in relation to the charger plate, on the top, if you were looking at this from a top view, is the dessert spoon and or dessert fork. Believe it or not, there are actually more extensive setups, including a coffee cup or even three knives. Why? Is one knife not good enough for you? Why do you need three forks for the different things you're going to eat and three knives. I, I don't get it. Well, I mean, the washing detergent companies have to stay in business, Robert, somehow. Anyway, we're here to discuss the history of these things. So when we say cutlery, we mean scissors, spoons, knives, forks, sporks, and chopsticks. And this would be a long episode if we went into full depth for each. So today, uh, we'll just give you a quick rundown of the spoon, knife, and fork, starting with the spoon. The spoon is most likely the oldest instrument of cutlery. Going back to ancient, ancient times, some archaeologists have actually found spoon-like items that may have been uh, made of shells, wood chips, or animal bones. However, the dating on this gets kind of sketchy. All we know is that spoons were probably uh, around in the dawn of civilization. Interestingly, when we look up Word origins, spawn, S-P-O-N, is an Anglo-Saxon word meaning wood chip. Also, the Latin and Greek words for spoon come from the word cochlea. Remember, you have the cochlea in your ear. Uh, Remember that from biology class. And that translates to spiral shell. The cochlea in your ear looks like a little spiral shell. But in the origin of this word for spoon suggests evidence of his ancient origins. This starts to explain where the word spoon comes from. Uh, so yeah, that suggests that they uh, ancient spoons may have been made uh, 
from spiral shells, uh, but the first definitive spoons were first seen, guess where? Like everything else, circa 1000 BC, Egypt. We, we need a jingle for that. Like, what started we in do. Egypt? By the way, quick interjection. We are getting an upgrade in sound pretty soon. Uh, currently, we have a USB mic. We're moving to a uh, two SM58s uh, with an audio interface. We're going to have upgrade in sound pretty soon. Not yet, but it's coming. Uh, but at this point in time, remember, uh, this is spoons in Egypt. At this point in time, spoons may have been lumped in with ladles and not become independent yet. They're like uh, tweens trying to find their own. Yeah, and we could go on forever meaning naming different uh, forms of cutlery or kitchen tools, couldn't we? We could. But we would, we would be here forever if we did that. Remember, there are over 50 varieties of the spoon out there. Of course, some of these have varying uses. For example, spoons were used to perform rituals in ancient Egypt. Anyway, in the Greek and Roman empires, I know that covers a long period of time. Very. But anyway, in the both the Greek and Roman empires, spoons were made out of metals like bronze and even silver. Regardless, these utensils were still a luxury for the wealthy. By the time of Middle Age Europe, spoons started to become more commonplace. Of course... The nobles or royalty had to flex their wealth with spoons made from precious metals. Silver was one of the most prominent of metals for spoons, and all table cutlery, for that matter, primarily because it reacts less with food than other metals. However, the plebeians, like serfs and merchants, had spoons of wood, brass, pewter, and even cow horns. These were the spoons of the people. Over the years, spoons experienced a number of design makeovers during the Renaissance, Bark, bar- Baroque. Baroque, thank you. In Victorian periods. But the iconic look of the spoon we all know and love was settled upon in the late 1700s. Today, we have customary measurements in cooking, like the teaspoon and tablespoon. And as you may know, well, okay, next, that's that wraps up the spoon. And next, we have the knife, the, uh, the, the second oldest piece or instrument of cutlery in this trio. And as you may know, knives have have existed for thousands of years. Ancient cutting tools have been found by archaeologists all over the world, from modern-day Brazil to Australia to India, and they were made of everything from obsidian to steel. However, we're here to discuss the knife as a tool for the dinner table, and you might be wondering why table knives are so distinct from other knives, or why they are usually duller and have rounded edges. Well, I have a little story. We need a jingle for that, too. Yes. Story time with Robert. (laughs) My little story uh, is about Cardinal Richelieu of France, who was the chief minister of France under King Louis XIII. Uh, And Cardinal Richelieu was also a really bad dude. Please do not follow his footsteps. Uh, He had the Thirty Years' War and persecution of the Huguenots. Just did a lot of wreaked havoc all over Europe. However, this episode is not about Cardinal Richelieu, uh, but we're just diving into this short story. Anyway, (laughs) Richelieu was bothered by men who used their daggers, which were used for dagger purposes, as you could imagine, but also used them to cut their meat at the dinner table. Even worse, these men would pick their teeth with the ends of their dirty daggers after dinner. 
So Cardinal Richelieu and his kitchen staff uh, had the ends, or had the round ends cut off of every house knife. So these men, these disgusting men, could not pick their knives with their daggers. Anyway. Later, in 1669, King Louis XIV set a ban on all pointed knives for every use. This was, in part, an attempt to discourage violence in general. And, with the help of Cardinal Richelieu and Louis XIV, we have what we now recognize as the table knife. And that is the uh, short story of the table knife. And last, in our trio of cutlery, we have the fork. And remember, we're not looking at any carving fork or pitchfork or fork in the road. We're looking at the standard dinner fork. The fork is one of the newer additions to the cutlery family as the first speculated usage of a table fork was by the Persian nobility around 800 or 900 AD. As you can tell, however, this is not quite definite, and the first known usage of a table fork was in the Byzantine Empire in the 11th century. Uh, Notice we emphasize table fork because the Greeks used a fork-like tool for preparing food, but it was not not part of the dinner table. Uh, The only cutlery at the dinner table was the spoon, the knife, and anything that you couldn't eat with those two uh, in Greece, well, was eaten with your hands. Uh, This raises the interesting point as to why the table fork uh, came so much later than its cutlery friends. Uh, It was not essential. The fork was not essential. Every food can be eaten with a knife, a spoon, and or the hands. Uh, A lot of people were still eating with their hands at this time. So, when the fork came around, it was considered to be quite a vain article of cutlery. Even later in the 1800s, forks were very controversial. Yeah, all the way into the 1800s. There's actually a description written back in the 11th century. I know we're jumping all over time. But uh, this description in the 11th century was written by St. Peter Damien of a, uh, about a Venetian princess who had her servants cut her food up into little pieces for her. Then she would eat it with a fork, for she would be so uncivilized, such an uncivilized brute, to use her hands. Throughout this time, and even through the 1600s, the dinner fork was a two-pronged instrument more closely resembling a carving fork. By the late 17th century, forks had evolved a little bit more into what we know today. They were sold in cutlery sets, and the forks started to have three or four tins. Did I? Tines. Tines. Three or four tines. Thank you. At this point in time, different varieties of forks for different uses came about. This includes the fish fork, the salad fork, and of course, my favorite, the dessert fork. Uh, Some of these uh, varied slightly in design, like the dessert fork. For example, uh, is not smaller and is not designed to gather things together, but simply to carry something like a bite-sized morsel of chocolate cake to the mouth. Sounds good right now. So that that explains why maybe your uh, salad fork or your dessert fork or your fish fork are going to be maybe have a different number of tines, be slightly different shaped, one maybe longer than the other, uh, because it comes down to the even though all of them would work, it comes down to the nitpicky design tweaks, nuances of what would be best for eating that specific food. Uh, and throughout the 20th century, forks, and I can imagine and I can imagine other cutlery as well, 
became art pieces with Italian slinky forks, <laughs> forks with five tines. Architects were even designing forks. What a flex. Neon forks. Oh my gosh. Bakelite forks. Forks galore. Dang. Imagine being a fork collector. That would honestly be kind of cool with I'm all those sure, forks. I'm sure that exists. Ooh. If you are a fork collector, please email us. I'm interested. Please let us know. As this brings us to an end of the history of forks, I should mention that there is actually an American Museum of Cutlery. It is in Cataragus, New York. I believe that's Cataragus. Uh, as we alluded to at the beginning of the show, the Cutlery Museum is mainly of things in the knife department, because remember, cutlery refers mainly to knives. But it also uh, it show- well it showcases primarily antique knives, swords, edged weapons, and tools, but there are also some forks and things like that. Maybe you should check it out uh, for yourself if you live in the northeastern United States. Sometimes I feel like there really is a museum for everything. I'd honestly want to check that museum out. Well, like many things, cutlery is often taken for granted because it is so ingrained in our daily lives that we forget how important it is. How would your breakfast have gone this morning without cutlery? With the spoon, the knife, and the fork, this is only part one of two in our short cutlery series. Part two will feature the chopsticks, scissors, and the lovely spork. If you have any questions or comments about the information provided in this episode, please contact us at thehistoryof365 at gmail.com. Especially if you are a fork collector, please email us. Have a blessed day, and you've got to promise me something. Never stop learning. <laughs>